Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of Physical Attraction. If you're listening to this, it means that you've chosen to support the show by buying one of our paid episodes. Thank you so, 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 so much. Without further ado then, it's time to talk about the remainder of the perpetual scams of perpetual motion machines. So, satire aside, yes, this absolutely still happens in the modern world, and people still make incredible amounts of money from it. I know that the technology world has the potential for fraud and manipulation, because there are legitimate reasons why you'd want to keep your technology a secret, so that others don't imitate it before you're ready for market, so that you can continue working on revolutionary breakthroughs that just need a few more tweaks, that kind of thing. That kind of argument might possibly persuade me to invest in a new type of video game console, or a smartphone, without seeing a convincing demonstration that it actually works. Although if you talk to a lot of venture capitalists and people like this, they think that it's actually amazing that companies, startups like Magic Leap and so on, can get valued at billions of dollars without demonstrating working products. But, you know, the reason why you might accept that they have what they're selling, which is a video game AR headset, um, people regularly do build new types of video games and new types of smartphones. So, yes, I might believe that someone has some revolutionary technology in that field that they're keeping secret. What people do not regularly build, what people hardly ever build, is an entirely new way to generate NSC with ridiculous efficiencies or no apparent source for the energy that obeys any laws of physics that we understand. So if anyone claims to have such a device, after hundreds of years of scams, centuries after the Royal Society stopped listening to crackpots who claim to have one, with the laws of thermodynamics confirmed by countless experiments. After all this, you should ask to see a demo, right? I mean, this is pretty obvious. But it's not been obvious to everyone, because people still get away with the scam today. Take the case of Storm Limited. I was actually lucky enough to talk to someone who knew someone on the managing board of Storm Limited, and uh, they had some interesting things to say about that. So Storm Limited, they were an interesting company that appeared at the height of the dot-com bubble, back when people were throwing money at anything that had the internet involved with it, but before the bubble burst. Kind of like Bitcoin today. When the bubble burst in 2000, they lost 5 million euros after their website, worldoffruit.com, failed to rake in the $300 million in first-year sales that they fought. That's right, they blew 5 million euros in the year 2000 on a fruit delivery company. They went dormant for a few years before re-emerging as an electronics-slash-energy company looking to lengthen mobile battery life. But it was much more than this. Storn had some interesting claims even to start with. They claimed they wanted to power mobile phones with micro-wind turbines. Incidentally, renewable energy experts, including the late great David Mackay, who I've probably mentioned half a dozen times in the show now, they're often sceptical of micro-wind turbines. Generally, bigger is better in terms of efficiency. Little windmills are more of a waste of money and usually take longer to pay back. And in the case of David Mackay, I think he calculated that it would take decades or longer than a human lifespan for some of them to pay back, so it's barely worth it at all. This was the quote that they had on their website. We wanted to improve the performance of the wind generators. They are only about 60-70% to 70% efficient. So we experimented with certain generator configurations, and then one day one of our guys came in and said, We have a problem. We appear to be getting out more than we're putting in. So, here's a second. Just think about this for a second. Not only are they claiming that just by messing around with the generative configuration of a wind turbine, they've managed to exceed everything that wind turbine and wind power, which has been around for decades, has managed so far, with all of the people who are working on eking out tiny increments in efficiency for these devices. They're claiming that 
their device also violates the laws of physics. And they claim that this device, based on rotating magnets, produced more energy than it took to run it. They claim that their scientists had independently verified this, although the scientists with, quote, multiple PhDs didn't actually turn out to back up the claim when they were questioned about it. With an infamous full-page ad in The Economist, they solicited scientists to test their claims. Let's be clear, this was not some minor claim about an unusual experimental result. People have sometimes had these in science where they see some sort of minor experimental result and they're not quite sure what it means. So a great example would be the faster-than-light neutrinos that many of you may have heard about on the news. Well, the OPERA experiment that found those said, you know, we're not sure about this. We're releasing our preliminary findings to the public so that people can scrutinise the paper and see where we made our mistake. They certainly weren't convinced, those scientists, that they had in fact found faster-than-light neutrinos. And it turns out that they hadn't. But this was not that. This was not some, we've found an anomalous result and we could do with some help explaining it. The ad said, Imagine, a world with an infinite supply of pure energy. Our work has always been done behind closed doors, always off the record, but always proven to work. Sounds legit, huh? With a lot of swagger, promising a revolutionary source of clean, free energy, they managed to attract an incredible 23 million euros in investment. Incidentally, 23 million euros in investment. I was looking at some figures earlier today, and, you know, under the Trump administration, the research and development budget for carbon capture and storage, aka the technology that will save us all from climate disaster, is only 15 million dollars. So, Storm Limited, over the course of its operation, managed to attract more investment in R&D for their ridiculous, evidently not at all possible technology for free energy than the US government is currently planning to devote to the genuine technology that might actually save us from the worst ravages of climate change. So it gives you an idea of the kind of imbalances that we get here. But a public demonstration was cancelled at the last minute due to mysterious technical difficulties. They actually blamed excessive light from the camera bulb flashes of journalists, which one, makes zero to our scientific sense, and two, is a lot like boasting, isn't it? It's like, oh, our technology would have worked, but so many people came to see it. We were really too successful, and uh, unfortunately, all of you guys have ruined the magic. The jury of scientists that they'd hired with the ad in The Economist said that the technology didn't work. Initially, many people were sympathetic. They believed that the inventor had simply been mistaken and had deluded himself about the power of his invention. Ten years later, when Storm was still hawking the same nonsense, they were a bit less sympathetic. Amazingly, after both of these things, after the full-page ad in The Economist, after being publicly rebuked by all the scientists they'd hired, and after failing to demonstrate their technology on the world stage after calling a big press conference, they didn't go down the whole Otis T car route like we talked about in the last episode where the madman just disappears and gets done for fraud. No, given that they had failed to convince scientists of their invention, Storm began now to prey on consumers. They offered a smartphone that never needed charging for a thousand euros and a USB device that never needed charging for hundreds of euros. They claimed that they worked on this magical technology, although it didn't explain how. And naturally, Storm raked in thousands in pre-orders before releasing any products to people or demonstrating any of them. Surprise, surprise, they were soon inundated with requests to return the devices which didn't work as advertised. In May 2015, Storm put an Orbo power cube on display behind the bar of a pub in Dublin, 
Power Cube was a small box which the pub website claimed ran off, quote, a perpetual motion motor, which required no external power source. They're not even trying anymore, are they? It was powered by a battery. The whole thing was an elaborate con, not even an original one, as scientists have been claiming to use magnets to generate perpetual motion for centuries. Here's a hint, they can't do it. And in November 2016, finally, the company went into liquidation, after stringing along the gullible and the people who didn't believe in science and squeezing every last drop out of them. The founder and CEO described himself as unemployable because of his association with Storm, and he now has his occupation listed as a professional poker player. Given that he's evidently highly skilled in the art of bullshit, this could also be lucrative. There are loads and loads of examples of scammers in the modern era who claim to have free energy devices, but Storm really stands out for me. First off, their claim is especially ridiculous. We have understood the laws of electromagnetism for well over a century. People have tried and failed to use magnets to build perpetual motion machines for hundreds of years. The laws of electromagnetism, Maxwell's equations, are probably one of the most successful parts of physics as we know it today. So if you're going to make something up, at least claim that it uses some part of new physics that people don't yet understand quite so well. Not something that's been thoroughly investigated over the years. Not something whose equations don't permit you to grab energy out of nothing. The founder of Storm, who clearly has little understanding of science, he claimed that conservation of energy is a scientific dogma. This rubs me up the wrong way. I mean, is the fact that gravity pulls you down a scientific dogma? Well, maybe, but I mean, it's also true and confirmed by every experiment that we do. Are scientists subject to groupthink? Absolutely. Are there some scientific ideas that everyone accepts that later turn out to be incorrect? Of course. Are there some ideas that are currently considered to be true by science that will later be disproved? Certainly. Certainly there are. But conservation of energy is the closest thing we have to a universal principle. Every time it appears that it's violated, it turns out to be a false alarm. The consequences of it being possible to violate would presumably have massive implications for all of the universe as we know it. There is no evidence that energy has not been conserved anywhere in the universe, from the interactions of quantum particles to the hearts of black holes. You need really extraordinary evidence to demonstrate that this is untrue. And you know, maybe it's possible under certain circumstances that it isn't true. But you really need extraordinary evidence to demonstrate that such a, a fundamental claim is untrue. And a USB phone charger is not going to cut it. The second thing that really gets me about Storm is that they managed to receive an astonishing amount of investment. Millions of euros. That 23 million euros could have funded so much genuine scientific research. Or it could have bought me a really nice house. And third, they managed to keep their ridiculous scam going for almost a decade, after numerous public failures and debacles, and never convincingly demonstrating a product that did anything like what they claimed. A claim that any scientist will tell you is ridiculous. And then at the end of it, the guy has the gall to say, oh, of course the technology didn't work as it claims, and now I'm unemployable. Well, you should be unemployable, because you perpetrated a fraud of millions of euros. Of course, free energy has proved a very fertile ground for straight-up conspiracy theorists, too. After all, it fits into all of the perfect conspiracy theory tropes, right? On one side, you have a plucky, genius inventor like Nikola Tesla, who stumbles onto something incredible. Free, limitless energy. An invention that could save the world and advance mankind. Then, on the other, there's a big sinister cabal of governments and scientists all working together, with funding from the energy industry, JP Morgan, or possibly the Illuminati, 
who are working to suppress it for their own diabolical or nefarious ends. Except, like all conspiracy theories, how the hell do you keep all of these people silent? How do you coordinate so many people? If the laws of physics permit free energy, which can be generated, then why aren't all physicists mysteriously driving around in Lamborghinis and going back to their incredibly well-lit homes? It's just depressing and ridiculous that people don't seem to realise keeping a ridiculous number of people quiet is really, really hard. Especially people who are so fractious and divisive and glory-seeking as scientists can be, you know? Just look at the White House leaks at the moment. They can't even keep a dozen people quiet about stuff that's far, far less important than free energy for all mankind. And when all it would take is one person to reveal the secrets of the world for them to become extraordinarily wealthy, do you not think that would happen at some point? Do you not think that someone else would discover the free energy source and use it for their own purposes? Internet data centres alone cost $7 billion a year just for the electricity to run them. Amazon or Google or whoever pay hundreds of millions of dollars in these electricity costs. So either they're part of the electricity free energy cabal, or they've just not thought to look at Tesla's papers, which have these free energy secrets in them. Yet still they come. Nowadays you can see literally dozens of free energy conspiracy theorists all over the place. Some are standard fringe or bizarre websites hawking their unlikely claims, while others are people who are genuinely trying to sell you something. I actually saw one of my favourite ones of these the other day, where they fusion of conspiracy theories. So you have your standard 9-11 conspiracy theorist who believes that the Twin Towers weren't brought down as a result of the planes hitting them, but instead as the result of a controlled demolition. This person says that not only were the Twin Towers destroyed by a controlled demolition, but that no known substance could cause that demolition except for Tesla's free energy, and therefore that the government, which has been keeping free energy secret for decades and decades, used it just this one time to blow up the Twin Towers, and thus revealed to the world their secret of free energy. I mean, it is quite bizarre. You almost think, well, what, are the lizards and the Illuminati involved as well? Why not just merge all of the conspiracy theories into one huge conspiracy theory? I mean, obviously JFK found out about this scheme, right? And that's why the CIA did him in. You know, it just, it just keeps going. But, I mean, in the modern era, it's more of a concern because the advent of crowdfunding websites has made this even easier. They're like the modern version of the snake oil salesman, drifting from town to town looking for easy marks, but with absolutely no subtlety at all. And of course, the easy marks tend to gravitate towards these things. Are there any American Gods fans in today? The TV show, if you must, but the book is the best. Remember all the elaborate scams and grifts that Mr. Wednesday would describe, all involving the long con, a convincing narrative, subtle manipulation of people you're scamming, psychology and kidology, and nowadays you can just rob people by cracking their passwords by brute force. I guess this is the equivalent, really, of the difference between free energy hoaxers in the old days and the new days. Back in the day, you'd have to at least mess up your hair a little bit, look like a mad scientist, maybe mention Tesla and quantum energy, earnestly appeal to your mark, even build a machine like that red heifer guy that has an old man turning a crank underneath the floorboards. But nowadays you don't need to bother with any of that, no. You can just stick up a Kickstarter with a sob story and a dodgy video, promote it and watch the cash roll in. There's no counter-narrative, no science, no back and forth, no people there to disprove your claims, to rip up the floorboards and reveal the old man turning a crank underneath. 
The first few free energy Kickstarters that I looked at for this project, they'd raised tens of thousands of dollars each. And of course, nothing ever came of any of these projects. And it's a shame because crowdfunding does have real potential to help people with genuine products and genuine solutions to the energy crisis. It could fund people's research that they couldn't find funding for in other ways, but the prevalence of this kind of con and the lack of oversight for these claims has ruined its reputation. There are in fact alternatives now, so if you do want to support someone who's looking into novel forms of energy, you can look on things like Fiat Physica, where they have some sort of level of scientific oversight into the projects that are being funded, um, as opposed to the ones that where are just it's on Kickstarter, so it's just someone who's made something up, essentially. Now, there is another major area to talk about when we're talking about free energy, conspiracy theories, and thermodynamics. And this area is a little bit more sketchy. That area is cold fusion. So first, a little word on fusion. Nuclear fusion is the process that indirectly powers pretty much everything on Earth, because this is what gives the sun its energy. We're going to do some episodes on nuclear fusion in the future, so I won't go into too much detail here. But essentially, it happens when two nuclei, the dense lumps of protons and neutrons in atoms, they join together. And if the combination is right, the new nucleus contains less energy, and so energy is released by the process. The only problem is that nuclei are all positively charged, right? They contain protons and neutrons, and the protons are positively charged, like charges repel, so there are amazingly powerful forces that keep nuclei apart. And this is why nuclear fusion happens in the heart of the sun, because only when they get very close together does the strong force take over and pull the nuclei together, allowing fusion. And that only reacts over the distances of a femtometer, 10 to the minus 15 meters, or millionths of nanometers if you like. Far, far, far shorter than even the wavelengths of light. Much, much shorter than atoms. So, to force them together, you require these huge amounts of energy. And it's a good job too, because it's actually energetically favourable for pretty much every nucleus up to iron to fuse together into bigger nuclei. So if there weren't these strong repulsive forces, everything would presumably fuse together under a little bit of pressure, releasing tons of energy. Complex chemistry could not exist, and neither could life. But it does present a problem for those who want to harness the power of nuclear fusion for good. It promises a lot of clean energy, and your fuel is pretty much just ordinary matter. You can use hydrogen, helium, deuterium, that kind of thing. But you need incredible temperatures and pressures to make fusion happen. You need to approach conditions in the heart of stars like our sun to make it fusion happen. It's been said that what we want to do is easy, put the sun in a box. The difficult bit is making the box. Which is why we don't have a fusion reactor that can make more power than you put into it. Yet. More on this, as I said, at a later date. So it turns out that trying to create plasmas like those in the heart of the sun at crazy temperatures and pressures, and then, more crucially, contain those plasmas to create stable fusion, it's very difficult. It would be much easier if it were possible to somehow harness the energy of nuclear fusion at much cooler temperatures. And in 1989, there were scientists who thought they'd found it cold fusion. Now, there are reasons to believe that there may be such a thing as cold fusion. Not in a sense that you can get a decent degree of energy out of it, but simply consider the following. If you have atoms in a gas that are in equilibrium, as we've talked about in our thermodynamics episodes previously, you know that they follow this Maxwellian distribution 
which is like a big Gaussian curve with a big long extended tail at the end. And that means that there will be a very small number of molecules in that gas that have far higher energies than the average. And in fact, there's if you have enough gas and if it's hot enough, there'll be a non-zero probability that you know you will have some that are at very high temperatures, at very high velocities. So people imagine that perhaps if you were to doctor the situation a little bit, add in some electric fields, accelerate atoms to decent velocities, you might just be able to get those tails of high energy particles to start fusing with each other when most of them don't. And, you know, people can do this in particle accelerators and get things to fuse with each other, but not in a way that produces more energy than you put in. So in 1989, there were scientists who were looking for these. They call them low-temperature nuclear reactions, I think, nowadays, which is a little bit of a buzzword to avoid saying cold fusion because people are terrified of cold fusion now. Fleischmann and Pons were these people. They were looking for cold fusion. And their theory was that if they used deuterium, heavy hydrogen, which is very good for fusion, if they used that in an electrolysis process, they might be able to apply an electric field to the deuterium atoms uh, and accelerate them to the point where they might fuse together. Deuterium fusion has a lower energy barrier than hydrogen fusion, which is why some stars, brown dwarfs, can fuse deuterium but not hydrogen, which we discussed briefly way back in our first episodes. But the apparatus that Fleischmann and Pons were using was only at a temperature of 30 Celsius, you know, it's a sum summer's day, around 300 Kelvin, which is substantially less than the millions of Kelvin at the heart of the sun where deuterium fusion normally takes place. So while you might possibly believe that there are some high energy molecules at the end of the spectrum, are there really going to be enough for you to have large scale fusion when your average temperature is 300 Kelvin and you need it to be millions of Kelvin? Certainly not enough for you to get large amounts of energy out. But Fleischmann and Pons, in an incredibly controversial experiment, claimed that they had seen a temperature increase of 20 degrees that they couldn't explain. But this isn't necessarily unusual in this sort of experiment. What they claimed was, in the most controversial part of the experiment, that they'd seen radiation, neutrons, gamma rays, that would be evidence that this wasn't some unknown chemical reaction producing the heat, but perhaps a fusion reaction that was giving away these radiative byproducts. So this did take the scientific world completely by storm and generated an enormous amount of interest and discussion. Now, you have to feel sorry for them because if Fleischmann and Pons were wrong here, their reputations would be ruined. People stake entire careers on announcing this kind of thing. If they were right, though, there was a potentially new, low-cost form of energy that could be harnessed on Earth, requiring nothing more than some heavy water, the proper anodes and cathodes, and an electric current to kick it off. So naturally what happened next was what always happens in experimental physics when you get a weird result. People try to replicate your experiment, and this is where cold fusion falls down. If there was a genuine fusion phenomenon behind the experiment, and if it was useful in any way, then the people who tried to replicate it should have been able to reproduce it. After all, this is kind of a necessary step for harnessing the supposed reaction to create a new source of energy. When people found sources of energy in uranium, or by creating solar panels, obviously other people were able to harness these sources of energy as well. 
that none of the people who have tried to replicate this experiment in the last 30 years have been able to reliably obtain the same temperature increases. They haven't found the neutrons or gamma rays that Fleischmann and Pons claim to find. Dozens of variations of the experiment were tried and none could reproduce the excess heat. What's worse, several experimenters noticed that they got false readings on their neutron detectors due to changes in heat. And now this would explain everything, wouldn't it? This would suggest why Fleischmann and Pons thought they'd seen neutrons, because changes in heat were causing these false readings on their dodgy neutron detectors. Further analysis of data from the original experiment cast more doubt on whether they'd seen radiation at all. And the thing you have to remember here is, Fleischmann and Pons themselves didn't stop. They were given budgets of millions of pounds, working in university sectors and then later in the private sector, but they could not reliably reproduce their results. Overall, probably $100 million has been spent chasing what was effectively one anomalous result in one experiment that almost certainly wasn't cold fusion. It's very possible that the initial finding could be explained by experimental error, or worse if you're being uncharitable. This is just my opinion. I'm not an electrochemist, and I wasn't around and closely following the debate when the cold fusion claims were made. But I think Fleischmann and Pons probably made an honest mistake. It seems quite likely to me that there's some chemical or electrochemical reaction going on that we don't quite understand. But it seems very unlikely that it's fusion, because there's no theoretical model that could even begin to explain how this worked, how they got this temperature change. When superconductivity was discovered, that was initially a bizarre experimental result, as we discussed in the episode on superconductivity. It's something that looks like an experimental error, right? Because you reduce the thing below a certain temperature, and suddenly the resistance completely vanishes. But then what happened? Well, in the decades that followed that, thousands of other people managed to get the same result with the same substances and different substances, and a whole field of scientific discovery and endeavour was opened up by people reproducing these results. And soon enough, a theory was developed that could explain it and make decent predictions about the properties of superconductors. Not so for so-called cold fusion. And since the setup has proved incredibly difficult to reproduce, there are two further problems. One is that it means that experimental error is far more likely to explain the initial results. Reproducing the truth should be possible, but recreating someone's exact mistake is far more difficult. Two, it means that if there is a real effect, whatever they saw, whether it's electrochemical or what, it's not especially useful. The fact that Fleischmann and Pons, with years and millions, couldn't convince private companies they were onto something, it tells you quite a lot. Now, there is actually a fair deal of legitimate research going on, both in private companies and public research, that's basically still looking into cold fusion. But because of the massive popular furore and debacle when the whole thing fell apart and didn't live up to the hype, there really is a big stigma around using the words cold fusion. After all, people felt like they'd been led on, deceived. Here's a new source of energy. Oh, it turns out to be rubbish. So code for it now is these low-energy nuclear reactions. And, you know, it would just be wonderful if one of these quiet experiments produces something miraculous. But I think that the universe and the Earth has given us plenty of miracles that we're currently hardly appreciating. I don't think you can rely on another one, or believe in it, at least until there's incredible evidence for these incredible claims. But of course, the hype and fury around cold fusion, which a lot of people remember, has led to its own generation of scammers, hoaxers, and purveyors of dubious solutions. Whatever you believe about Fleischmann and Pons, whether they were dishonest, whether they were 
made an honest mistake, whether they found something that's not useful. The people who are doing this now are most, for the most part, especially the people who are selling it, just straight up scammers. Take Andrea Rossi's eCat, or electronic catalyzer. This device claims a kind of cold fusion where protons are fired into nickel powder and turn it into copper, and they, at low temperatures, produce energy. It's a low-energy nuclear reaction device. And Andrea Rossi has done a number of public demonstrations of the device, alongside apparently getting some pretty serious investment from various companies. Figures aren't disclosed at the moment. But the problems with Andrea Rossi's eCat are even worse than the original claims of cold fusion. For a start, the reaction that he claims took place had a huge energy barrier. In fact, the energy barrier is so high that it can't happen anywhere in the lone universe, not even in the heart of stars. Part of what made Cold Fusion 1.0 slightly more convincing was people thought, well, the energy barrier is big, but it's not insurmountable. It's not something that we don't see in various different places. The new fusion reaction was the lowest energy fusion reaction that can happen. But this one is just ridiculous. And of course, there are all the other classic signs of a scammer. Rossi won't let anyone else test or demonstrate his equipment. If it worked, you feel like he might be fine with someone else testing it, especially a company that he was working with. He's been offered a million dollars just to allow someone else to test the apparatus, not even look inside it, and he's turned it down. In at least one public demonstration, the additional power that was generated was coming through a secret wire hidden under the desk. In another, there's evidence that the power reader was tampered with. Ah, Charles Redheffer, your spirit lives on. No longer do we have old men under the floorboards turning a crank, but now we have a battery with a wire under the table. He has been sued by the company that hired him, who claimed they could not reproduce his results. The case was recently settled out of court. Since there has never been a test that Rossi wasn't involved in, it's perfectly possible and indeed likely that he's doctoring any results you might see in some obvious way, putting extra nickel and copper into the outputs, wiring an external supply to the power reader, as we know he's done before. As of 2017, Rossi is still claiming to have a working cold fusion reactor. As I hope the last few episodes about free energy have demonstrated, I think we need to be incredibly suspicious of anyone who claims to have such a device and A. won't let anyone else test it, and B. isn't already insanely rich. And perhaps a little more reason for scepticism appears when you look at the websites that are in favour of this so-called eCat device. Here I quote from the main pro-Rossi website that shows up when you google the thing. Quote, Rossi's Leonardo Corporation is planning to move into the domestic market within between a year and 18 months, and has already started production for parts of 1 million small 10-20 kilowatt ECAT units that can provide heat and air conditioning to homes. Rossi has said that his target price for these first units is going to be around $1,000 each. Rossi has said that while electrical generation is possible with this device, there is still work to do for ECATs to produce electricity efficiently. The first generation of small ECATs will not come with electrical generation capacity, but these units will be able to be retrofitted with electricity generating modules once that technology has been perfected. Second generation ECATs will be able to produce heat, cooling and electricity. Okay, so let's unpack this a little bit. He's having trouble getting the big generator to work, so he's going to try lots of little ones. 
This is almost never how generating electricity and energy works. Bigger is almost always better, more efficient, less prone to bugs. We see it in solar panels, we see it in wind farms, we see it in fossil fuel plants. We know this really, prototypes aren't usually tiny, are they? And this is especially true in energy generation. I can't think of a single exception. But then, you find out that he's priming his fans to spend $1,000 on a so-called first-generation ECAT that won't even be able to generate electricity. So what the hell will it do? How will this capacity magically be added back in? Why not just build a device that works the first time, Rossi? And how is it going to produce both heat and cooling via one chemical or nuclear reaction? The science itself is dodgy enough. But when you look at the marketing, I mean, really, he's priming you to spend $1,000 on something that he admits won't work, that will, at some point in the future, work? I mean, it really, really seems like he's trying to rip off the easily led and the gullible. And, you know, I don't like sounding like a superior scientist, but you don't have to be a superior scientist to see through these scams. And it is a shame that they are still being perpetrated on people, and that people don't know enough about science, they're too sceptical about science, they've been led into all sorts of conspiracy theory beliefs, and frankly they're being exploited by shysters. And I don't have any qualms with mocking someone like Rossi, because he knows that his device doesn't work. He knows that. He's just trying to con people out of their hard-earned money, and I don't think that's fair. So it's not the same as mocking someone who doesn't know about science, because these people, frankly, they do know about science. If the laws of thermodynamics tell us one thing, there's no such thing as a free lunch. The road to nuclear fusion, which we'll cover soon, has been long and arduous. But more than all of this, science is increasingly a collaborative effort as our understanding deepens. The experiments that need to be performed grow more and more complex. Free energy was never possible. But in the modern era, it's very difficult to have good science without peer review and engagement with the community. Wild individuals streaking out on their own are unlikely to be the source behind major breakthroughs, although it is wonderful and romantic when they are, which is partly what the scammers feed on. But at the end of the day, when it comes to free energy, you don't even need the laws of physics or thermodynamics, just a more fundamental and older and a more widely applicable law. If something seems like it's too good to be true, it probably is. Thanks for listening to this extended rant about free energy technologies. As you are listening to a premium episode, I'm sure I don't need to tell you all of the wonderful things that you can do to support this uh, venture of mine, this podcast of mine, but you know, of course, that you can follow us on Twitter, PhysicsPod. You can visit the website at www.physicspodcast.com. Why don't you tell us what you want the next bonus episode to be? I think that'd be great. You know, I can do whatever you guys want, so it would be good to produce something that I know will have at least some interest from you. Uh, Until next time, thanks so much for getting this bonus episode, and I will see you soon. Thank you.